0: hey guys it's shannon with everything's Hunky dory and today i am joined by a super special guest um we have namade Bayu today and you probably know her from all of the amazing content that she produces for us on instagram and i even know that she's over on that tiktok page um, as that african butterfly namade say hi hey guys how are you today? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I was
1: messaging you before we started. I've had a morning and this is literally the highlight of my morning so far.
0: Same. It's really been a day. It's been like Monday 2.0 for me. Yes, so yes. like really just a kid, like it was like a to be continued when I went to sleep last night and then I woke up <laughs> this morning and I was like, fuck, like we're doing mm-hmm. this again. Yes. But for those of you know, the listeners out there who aren't familiar with you and your content. um, Just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your platform.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, So Shannon mentioned, my name is uh, Nimade, but I go by That African Butterfly on social media. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. I basically live on Instagram. Um, I do a little bit on TikTok, uh, but their algorithms are annoying. So I'm more in the reels now anyways. Um, and I'm on YouTube as well. Um, so I I produce a lot of content. I love doing that. My main thing is just trying to like raise awareness about different things. Um, so like on Sunday nights, I do self-love Sundays where I do lives with different people talking about like my journey to self-love and self-acceptance and it's continued work always. So we talk about that. Um, I do a lot in the area of like mental health um, because it's something that's really sensitive to me. Um, And so Tuesday nights, I usually do a live with different people on that topic. Um, I also volunteer with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, um, the Delaware chapter. And I sometimes do lives on their page as well with different people. Um, And then in between that, I do lives on like all different topics. Sometimes it's serious things like, um, I did a special for like World Refugee Week where I talked to refugees in different countries. Um, This month was Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I've been doing specials with people on that topic. Um, I do also try to keep some fun in there. So I had one on astrology. Once a month, I get some friends together and we have cereal and play games and just chat about stuff. Um, I am a Bravo addict. Uh, And so I finally, after having all of these friends and like, the Bravo podcast world, because, like, I love Bravo, and I wanted to talk about it, but I was, like, I didn't just want to do a recap, because I already listened to so many people who do great recaps, Um, so I started Black Bold and Addicted to Bravo, um, sort of to merge my two loves and my two worlds together, so we talk about, like, life topics, but through the lens of Bravo, which has been really great, so we talked about, like, respectability politics, we talked about relationships with their parents um we recently did one on like the importance of words and the word usage that people have um and so it's been really great because we talk about serious things but it's still slightly light because it's with bravo and it allows you to like reference people that listeners can understand instead of being like well my uncle who went through this or my friend it's like oh well when ramona did this on that episode and and you did that it's like oh yeah um, so that's been really great, and I try to have fun episodes with that too, where like I like I did a special when Vanderpump Rules came out, their premiere we did one, um, and then recently we did one for the Winter House. Um, actually, that I need to post. I should have posted like two days ago. That's been <laughs> posted. Um, so that's on YouTube and on podcast formats now as well. Wow. Um, so I love your
0: <laughs> "All Black and Addicted to Bravo" segments. Yeah, they're always hilarious like I've oh, totally. always had so much fun with it but you always the dynamic that's there is always super interesting and fun mm-hmm. and engaging you know like you're totally locked in yeah and I like hearing everybody's perspective and how yeah. differ, you know because we all have a different perception when we're watching these shows and especially you know you're a woman of color I'm a white woman like you know, our opinions or our interpretation of what's going on, especially yeah. in, like a racially related, you know, moment in the Bravo world, which we've had a lot of mm-hmm. recently, especially, but I think is awesome. Um, I know some people don't feel that way, but you know, like we don't care. Um, we're here for it. <laughs> yeah, like
1: yeah. No- well, I know mean, the thing is the thing is that like a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm not here for it. This is supposed to be entertainment, this is supposed to be light that bothers me so 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 much because like it's supposed to be entertainment and like haven't we dealt with like abuse haven't we dealt with like alcoholism like like it's never been super easy and super light and like like right now we're dealing with like victims of like car crashes having their money stolen from them and fraud like what is light about that absolutely nothing so really you're just saying you don't want to hear about racism right nothing else has been light easy and breezy right and racism unfortunately like it's it's it blankets our world, you know, um, if it's something that you have as a part of you, it's like when people say, I don't want to see color, Uh, you have to see color. You can't like, if you go around saying, I don't see color, then a, everything usually defaults to whiteness. It's just the culture that we live in. It's not anyone's individual racism or whatever. It's just literally the cultural, the culture we live in, everything defaults to white. And then B, if you're not seeing someone as their individual, then, you're not seeing and respecting them as they are in a way where you're still honoring them for being different because at the end of the day we're not all the same you should see color you should know that like my perspective of the world as a black woman is different than your perspective of the world as a white woman so that you can navigate through that um so I think it's important to have those those conversations and that's part of why I started that series Um, at first I was worried I was like oh my god I hope people don't think that like I don't want to talk to white people, but it's not that, A, because I do have white guests as well, um, because I do want to hear those perspectives, but I think it's also good to have the perspective of Black viewers and how we're viewing things and how we see things and just have those
0: conversations. For sure, because a lot of people, you know, like you said, the people out there who criticize or kind of, like, become aggressively vocal about the fact that race is more of a topic on Bravo now than it has been in the past and how it's quote like not light and fun like it used to be I'm always like did you guys forget about season two of Beverly Hills because mm. Taylor's husband like was literally beating the shit out of her yeah and then wound up committing suicide right like if it does like I don't think it gets darker than right. domestic violence and then like a suicide like that's right. heavy shit right there so if we're talking light and fun bravo's been dark for a decade Forever.
1: yeah so i mean even like, how do you compare Ebony talking about being black and like the angry black woman, mo- like her experience as a black woman and say that that's so upsetting but you're fine talking about erica jane's um husband and like the embezzlement and the money stolen victim. like how is that huh. and lighter? And really, at the end of the day, it's the reactions of the people. Like, if you had put Ebony in Beverly Hills, and her conversations had been received the way Garcelle conversations were received, it'd be completely different. Ebony is not the problem. It's the Ramonas and how they deal with those conversations that are the problem. But of course, that particular fan base feels the same way as Ramona, so they're going to back up her viewing of it.
0: Totally, which is upsetting because you know, to talk about how Ebony, like you mentioned that Ebony was sharing experiences. That's all she was doing. She wasn't, she wasn't preaching. And I understand like one of the things that I've said to people who complain about Ebony's presence on the show, you know, in terms of like, oh my God, she makes everything so serious, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so part of me can kind of understand where they're coming from only because her delivery at times is so yeah. like, because her background is in news media, like, news, yes. like journalism, like live journalism. So she is accustomed to when she is explaining things, I think to kind of her deliverance of them can be a little like dry seeming in mm-hmm. comparison to how Ramona. And like, and, and, like Right. Teacher-y. But I don't think she's. Preaching to them. I don't yeah. think she's speaking down to them. I think it's just the way that she's very direct in what she's saying. She means what she says when she says, you know, like there's no room for like a gray area yeah. with where Ebony stands. And I don't think those women are used to somebody just being like very direct. Like, yeah. this is what people of color have experienced. This is mm-hmm. my experience and take from it what you will instead they listen to her and they're like oh my god like she's trying to like you know it's always like a learning you know session and it's like well like even if that was the case which it's not what's wrong with like learning some shit you know what is wrong yeah what's wrong because you're not the smartest bitch on earth and then you also (laughs) you know what I'm saying like especially not Ramona Sanger so I'm like Then you mentioned how it's different on, you know, the West coast with Beverly Hills and Garcelle, because that moment really, you know, and they said it at the reunion last week Mm -hmm. when Kathy said, you know, I grew up with Michael Jackson and, you know, he always said, Kathy, I don't see color. And Garcelle explained to her, like, if you don't see color, you don't see me. And they brought it up at the reunion and they all talked about like, wouldn't like in emotional like learning experience it was to kind of you know check your privilege a little bit like you know I didn't see it because there's nothing wrong in my opinion anyway and I would love to hear your opinion as a woman of color but I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody who thought that you know not maliciously you know not with malicious intent but to say like I don't see color as more of like a naive and like a privileged thing and then be told look if you don't see color you don't see me and then just acknowledging it and being like wow like you really taught me something and like I understand what you're saying and I see it differently now I don't think there's anything wrong with like not knowing and being told and then accepting it yeah you know like because I've had this conversation like would you agree with that or like yeah no absolutely and um really quickly, though, it's
1: interesting the way I almost feel like they did a disservice throwing ebony in the way they did with the New York cast like yeah. they should have brought in Barawan first to ease people into like the blackness and then brought in an ebony yeah um, when they were but to just throw them to the wolves like not that there's anything wrong with ebony but I could have told you like throwing her in with Ramona and Luann and stuff is not uh-huh. gonna work out and it didn't <laughs> um but you know because people do frequently get um defensive and it's so funny because there are so many people who will watch her and be like oh my goodness she's so this she's so that but then if you get a group of black people together like we talked on the I call it the cookout the reunion episodes of um like whenever there's a serious finale ending right for Bull, black, and Dick, I have a cookout Right. So we were on the cookout and we were literally all like, she took it so easy on them. And half of them are like, I can't believe she didn't go harder on them. So it's so interesting, the perspective of like, some people were like, she brought it up and the rest of us are like, listen, you don't know. She gave it to you guys so easy because the way I would have handled that would have been a little bit different. So she was so poised and so polite and they do not know how good they had it with Ebony being the one to speak to them.
0: And um, I- I think one of the reasons that she did that too, I think she was put in a really hard position because if yeah. she was reactive the way that it wasn't even they worse. were, right, then they would have been very inclined to probably paint her as like the quote angry black woman. And it would have right. been really, you
1: know, like, she calmly was stating something and they called her yeah Black and so can you imagine if she had actually flipped out right or over
0: you all know? hell would have broken loose yeah but like yeah. Luanne, when she was like I'll leave your house Luann like super yeah. calmly like so she wasn't fun. like yeah. popping off or like acting mm-hmm. you know all the way wild or anything like that like she was just like look I'll leave uh, yeah. like I'm cool with it and she probably I wouldn't have wanted to be there anyway because <laughs> right you
1: know but, um, <laughs> that's your other question so The whole, I don't see color thing. So I have an interesting perspective. Well, I think it's interesting. It's different perspective than I think sometimes other women of color, other black people do because I grew up very much in a predominantly white neighborhood. Like I was the only black face, like in the pictures, unless it was like family, my class of like 400 people had like three black students. So like I grew up with a very like white mentality of blackness, um, and you know, I had it at home. My mom, my family is African, hence African butterfly. So my Liberian culture is also different than African American culture. So I was never really growing up tapped into like blackness, I would say. Gotcha. You know, it was either African culture at home or whiteness culture everywhere else. And so my identity with my blackness and my comfort with my blackness is really something that I had to grow into. Um, there was definitely like a period of my life where it was like, if you had asked me if I would feel more comfortable in a room full of all white people or a room full of all black people, I would have said a room full of all white people because while entering the room, I would be obviously the one standing out. I knew within minutes of opening my mouth, I would be welcomed because of the way I speak, because of the way I think and articulate and all that. Versus if you had put me in a room full of black people, if I walk in, I look like everyone else. But the minute I opened my mouth, it would be blaringly obvious that I was not, a part of that culture and that world That's um,
0: interesting.
1: So, so having that background I think allows me to have a little bit more compassion towards um people of other races who say and feel certain things towards black people like I truly understand that a lot of it is not coming from a place of hate it's usually coming from a place of like not knowing um and like even the whole I don't see color thing I now, before, I never used to correct people. Now I will correct them, but from uh, from a place of love. But we say, I will call them in instead of like, right. them <laughs> I will call them in so we can talk about it. And even like when you talk about Crystal having that conversation with um, Sutton, I think if it had been spoken a little bit differently than like, yeah. no, Sutton, you're not that girl, like right. that instantly puts someone on the defense. I'm- and I'm not saying Crystal is wrong in her thinking, but the approach will instantly put someone on a defense the tone um, and
0: everything like that was
1: tone, yeah. yeah um and not to i'm gonna kind of shamelessly plug for a minute here yes um, so after the george floyd thing happened it was really rough for me like the whole um just like feeling helpless all the things i was going around and then again because like i said i grew up around mostly you know white people most of my close friends are white um and they're reaching out to me like oh my goodness which which i have to admit was a little frustrating as well i'm like, so, all the years of these protests and marches and all the things that have been going on, like you didn't realize racism was a problem until buildings started burning down. But I backtracked from that and I was like, what can I do? Because I don't like feeling helpless. I'm like, what can I do to help? So I basically like built a course and walked through a course with them. Um, and it was mostly like self learning I was like, here are videos to watch and articles to read and all of a And then from that, I've actually taken it and built it to a, like an actual course that I'm getting ready to release. Um, that's It's amazing. called, you don't know what you don't know about racism, because at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. Truly. It's not that people are malicious. It's not that people are, um, you know, overtly ignorant to stuff. It's that they truly don't know, you know, like, there is a period of time in my life where I would have said, like, well, I'm Black, and they're Black, like, they're just not doing well, because they're not working hard enough. Because I didn't realize about all the systemic racism, because I didn't realize about the back stuff. And like, they don't teach you it in school, they don't show you it in the news media. If you just walk through life, and you don't take the time to personally dive into the issue of racism, which is why, you know, I say, like, being not racist isn't enough. You have to actively be anti-racist because if you're just not racist, then what will happen is you'll have little moments because even though no one wants to admit it, we all have implicit biases deep within us. Mm -hmm. We really do because of the media around us, because of our schooling, because of a blah, blah, blah. And when high tension moments happen, that implicit bias is what's going to come out. It's why you see officer shootings. And yes, Mm -hmm. there are some like horrible cops out there who are mean and evil and racist, But the rest are just humans who are trying to do their job. But if you have lived a whole life where every time you see a pit bull on TV, that pit bull is biting someone, and now you're in a high-tension situation, of course you're going to reach and shoot because you're scared, even if you don't need to be. And I'm not making excuses for those killings or whatever, because I do think that if you take an oath, you should be held to a higher standard. But I also say, like, I get it because that's, what is in us. And it's why, even like bringing it back to Bravo, when you take the moment of like Doree yelling at Garcelle mm-hmm. at the reunion for speaking over her, it's like, well, how many reunions have you been a part of? And how many other women have spoken over you? And you've never felt the need to yell at them. What yeah. really was happening in that moment, and I don't know if she'll ever admit it, um, but that was an implicit bias moment taking over where without her even realizing it, the audacity of this Black woman. Right. How dare, dare she? her Now, Dorit, in in present mind and being fully active, do I think she's racist? No. Do I think she would even acknowledge that the reason why she was so upset was because of the race? She probably wouldn't acknowledge it. But that's really wasn't what it was, because all around us, our media, our schooling, like everything that is poured into us is really on the backs of white supremacy. And so because of that, it taints all of our views and all of our lenses. So, you know, like I was saying, like, I would say, like, well, I work hard, I'm Black, they work hard, and, you know, I shouldn't. Like, I was that, like, when, when people say I have a Black friend, I was that Black friend that they would say, like, <laughs> that Black friend's probably not. Like, like Dorit's mom's Black best friend? <laughs> <laughs> I have a Black friend, only has all other White friends, like, you probably yes. don't <laughs> like the
0: emoji trend of the red flag it's like that's the flag. yeah it's, flag. it's red flag.
1: yeah um and it's interesting because my brother and I had this conversation because again he's always been that token friend and he had to take a moment um and it's really something that if you are that person who grows up in that culture you have to want to reflect and see it. and it's almost even harder like there are like giving myself the grace to not be embarrassed about some of the things I used to say and some of the ways I used to feel.
0: Oh my God. Um, and
1: I just, you know, when you know
0: better, you do better, is how right. I feel. So that's that, my, I'm glad that you said that because, like, that's one of the reasons I don't really like the whole cancel culture movement yeah. is because if I were to go back and look at some of the things I was like wearing, saying, doing oh like 15, now. 20 years ago yeah like, honestly decapitate me like I would never yeah. like, <laughs> you
1: know, say gay like I'd be like that's so gay that's so retarded and I'm horrified Retar-
0: the, like, like I would drop me. that I'm word bad. all the time all the time and now I'm like oh my god if I could go back and like beat 20 year old me's ass like <laughs> right I would. and be like girl yeah. this is not the look like don't yeah. say shit like this but in the you know always in life the climate is changing you know yes. in or at least attempting to change like towards a more positive direction and you're always going to have deflectors you know mm-hmm.
1: like, yeah
0: that are trying to make it not be a thing like you know the people who argue about systemic racism being taught in schools or you know like that sort of thing like there's people who push back like the prevent-
1: like cultural race theory that's like you need it. It's not about teaching hate. It's about, te- like, it's so frustrating because I don't understand. And I try, I really try to understand things from other people's viewpoints. A, because I think that that's how you have a legitimate argument and legitimate conversation is to right. hear from their viewpoints and understand them. Um, but it's so hard for me. It's like, well, why don't you want to be educated? Why are you fighting so hard to educate and to know better? It's like when people get, Mad about like not uh, like people being upset about Christopher Columbus. It's like, but it's the truth. He was a horrible person. Right. <laughs> We're up hearing a nursery rhyme in school, but that doesn't change the fact of Thank who he you. Was. So why are we fighting this?
0: I had it's so funny that you bring that up because I had a genuine argument with a woman that I used to work with when I was still in corporate America because she was bit, you know i assume that she felt safe bitching to me about it because like she was a white woman i'm a white woman and she was like can you believe they're trying to rename christopher columbus day i was like yeah i was like i don't like i don't believe that you don't believe that this is happening right. like why are you upset about it right. and, and she was like but it's it's christopher columbus day i was like he's a mass fucking murderer you dummy like right, but, right. Like he colonized a whole ass land that wasn't his. Yeah. Murdered a bu- murdered, raped a bunch of people. Like, huh, you're, so I was like, it would stand to reason then if you're cool with, you know, these statues of Christopher Columbus, you know, being erected at you know government buildings or parks or wherever. I was like, so then we should have like monuments of like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, right. like other mass murderers or you yeah. know, serial killers and like we should glorify them the same way if we're yeah. going to go based on your logic right Which I think like, like, some people just really
1: a have a problem with change like they just can't stand change true uh, some people really have a problem with knowledge they really do like they think what they learned in school is the beginning and end all and that's it and they don't realize school is actually really just an indoctrination right So, so 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 much we don't learn in school. Like I was shocked at the level and then especially of Black history. Um, and you know, going back to my course a little bit, so like that's why I have it broken down, like racism in schools, racism in education, racism in hospitals, because all of those things like you really have to know and understand it to realize that it's even there, but you're not going to see it if you don't look for it. And not that you should be like, I got you the racist moment, but it's there. there and you can't dismantle it if you don't see it if you don't understand it and one thing that you know even though I hate to mention the t-word but one thing during the Trump era that I really like understood finally and it took me a good portion of his presidency to understand it is that there really are people who only see life in terms of right and wrong yeah so they don't have the capability to be like oh that's just different right so like I can see someone have a difference of opinion on something and be like that's different but there are really people who cannot say that because the way their brain works is that if you don't agree with them then you are wrong because for them to say that you are right means they are wrong right. and they don't ever want to admit they're wrong it, so because um, it took me a while to get that because yeah. there are certain things why can't you guys just admit like this is a problem or this is a thing and like they can't because to admit that would admit that they were wrong
0: right and it's kind of like like a bigger form of like cognitive dissonance like when you know like when someone's presenting you a fact and you can't deny the fact but somehow you are still living in the denial and it's like no, no, no. Like, this isn't, like, look, this is a fact. Like, this is not mm-hmm. some, like, Breitbart fucking yeah. right-wing, like, weird-ass no. wild fake yeah. news bullshit. Like, th- these are facts, facts, and they would still de- like you said, argue. Still deny it. And
1: it used to really bother me. I really could not understand, like you said, the cognitive dis- dissonance of it. Like, why are they being presented with facts? Why are they presenting with evidence? And then why are they still denying these things? And I realized, eventually, it's really because of that everything is like some people just see life as a zero sums game and so they always have to be there's always a winner and losers there can't be like difference it's a winner or loser and so if they admit to anyone else being right that that means they are losing and they can't handle that and that's unfortunate because life is a lot of gray area life is nuanced it's not a a lot. lot
0: a lot and it's so since we brought up cognitive dissonance and kind of people not taking facts at face value um you know and given that it's about to be the end of domestic violence awareness month and you know you and i have been speaking about that and you've been this week delivering such amazing content like you guys if you haven't gone over and checked out um what namade has on her it's all in her highlights reels right now still and on her feed even Yeah, it's in my IG stories. Okay. Um, Definitely go check it out. She has some really interesting and informative interviews that she's done. Um, Just like pieces she's posted from other content. You know, I hate saying content creators because they're, that sounds like, not to, you understand what I'm saying. I
1: don't mind content creators. I don't either, but like some people, right.
0: Because I'm like, it's not really content. It's just like real life shit, you know, like heavy shit, but You're delivering it in such a relatable way that I think is super important for people that are in the cycle of abuse, you know, like domestic violence or even emotional abuse. You know, when you get sucked into that vortex, um, you live in a state of cognitive dissonance, I think, because, you know, for example, um, I know you and I both have, you know, people in our lives who have been a victim of some form of, of, you know, domestic abuse, be it physical, emotional, both, whatever you and I have discussed it in DM. Uh, But the thing that always sticks out to me the most is the denial form of it, you know, like the denial, just like mentality where no matter how many facts you give the person that, you're speaking, you know, that is being affected by, you know, physical or emotional domestic violence, um, or abuse. It's like, that's, that's where it gets frustrating as the friend of, you know, like when you're trying to talk to somebody who you genuinely care about. And yeah. like, I don't know if there's anything you can lend to, you know, letting people out there. Cause it's, it's a topic that's like so hard to approach with people when you know that you have somebody who's stuck in that cycle because you can't be harsh with them and like give them too many truths because you know classic abuser syndrome like forces right because often them. they don't even recognize it like
1: right a lot of times the person being abused is in there not um it's almost I don't know I feel like with them I don't know that I would use cognitive distance like it definitely applies, but at the same time, it's not like they're doing it on purpose. Like a lot a of lot- times people who are victims in those situations, like don't necessarily recognize that they're victims, you know?
0: Right. And so like, even when they do that, you know, because when there's a situation where there's somebody in your life, um, who is caught in a cycle of abuse and you're doing everything that you can from your perspective to help them out you know you've given them the facts like you've told them like you don't deserve this like you're worthy of the love that you give other people you know you are you need to love yourself the way that you love other people like you're worthy of so many things and they tell you that they believe you they're like I know I know I know I know and then ultimately they end up somehow getting sucked back in and it's like you look at them and like not that I want to let like, you have this like visceral reaction of like what the fuck are you doing, but you mm-hmm. can't say stuff like that yeah. to people who are stuck in the situation because I think they carry such a high degree of like shame mm-hmm. um, like confusion, like am I really in an abusive relationship, and like even people who are physically getting you know like getting slapped in the face, like I know. Yeah. People like somebody who I know that's been in that situation, like almost questions, like, well, like, was that really abuse though? And it's like, you know, like, and it's, yeah, you want to say to them, like, anytime somebody puts their hands on you, it's abuse. Yeah. There's never Um, a good reason. So, like, what do you say? Like, what? do you have an approach like that you recommend for people? Cause I know there's a lot of people who have somebody in their life who is stuck in a cycle of abuse and you want to do what you can to help them get out of it, but it's such a helpless feeling almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's, it's such, such a, I mean, speaking of nuance, like we just were, it's such a tough area because there are so many reasons why people stay in those situations and, you know, like you said, even with your friend, um, they don't always recognize that it is abuse and -hmm. whether that's because A, people tend to have like a very focused lens of what domestic violence is, which is important to remember that it's not just a man and a woman, like it's family members, it's in a household, not in a household, it's dating, whether you're just dating and they put their hands on you, it's still a form of abuse. but it's hard a lot of times for people to see that. And especially if they've grown up around the abuse, it's hard for them to acknowledge and realize that what is continuing to happen is abuse. Um, the And this is part of why I do these lives. I always learn so much. You know, I feel like I open, it opens my eyes even more. Um, but D'Angela, we talked on Monday. Hers was particularly, I, I was crying through the live um, because I, her story was first of all, so heartbreaking, and then made me, you know, address some of the stuff with mine, because I grew up around it um, with my mom and my stepdad. It made me address it. And it's hard because people don't always recognize it. You know, she grew up with D'Angela. She grew up around domestic violence um, with her mom and her dad, and they're actually still together. And then so when it was happening to her, she was like, is this so bad? Is this horrible? She even mentioned that she went into like, Early labor with her, um, with her second child oh. because the abuse was so bad, and like the hospital had to like bear him for being able to come in. And oh, they're yeah. like, we want to call the cops and we want to do all this. And even in that state, even with all the abuse she had been going through, she was still like, "Is this really abuse? Should I really, you know?" And I run around is like, "Girl, come on now." Yes, and, and like, oh, I don't know. So like, it's really, really, really. First and foremost, important to lead with compassion. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes without meaning to, we kind of put ourselves front. Like I've given you the advice. I've talked to you. I've heard you come and tell me this over and over and you don't leave him. Like I'm not gonna keep listening to you tell, but like in situations, especially when there's violence involved, right. no matter how hard it is, if someone feels comfortable talking to you about it, let them talk to you about it. Yeah. Even if said they're gonna leave a hundred times and they don't, the fact that they still talk to you is huge because violence often starts way before the hitting, right? Yeah. So before they put their hands on you, they're breaking you down emotionally right. and mentally. They're telling you you're not worth it. You're not good enough. They're isolating you from family and friends. So by the time they put their hands on most people, they already feel so horrible about themselves as a person that when they get hit, it's not like, oh, they're abusing me. It's what did I do to cause right. this? Why did I make them do this? Or, you know, it's my fault. So they're having trouble acknowledging the abuse because they have been so mentally broken down that they think it's their fault for this thing happening to them. And it's also why, side note, um, spanking is kind of an issue because so many people don't realize that you are really teaching kids at a young age that violence is a way of showing love. Violence is a way of correcting them. And people think, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that you're knocking a kid through a wall. And I know people say it's like, oh, it's just some spanking. But to a child, they're still just seeing someone being angry, hurting them as a way of reprimanding them and showing them love. And that will open them up to being able to accept that form of quote unquote love later on in life mm-hmm. so and that's mm-hmm. why you have people who are in situations where they're being abused going is this okay is this not okay because usually at some point most of us were caught like someone hitting us because we did something wrong or because we um or because they want to recommend us is okay and especially in a situation where it's like oh well he didn't give me a black eye it was a slap it was a quick whatever right he just yanked me really hard he just threw this thing at me what abuse you know, I'm like, that's the same logic. Most people use as spanking. Like, oh, it's not abuse. I just right. give them it's a, a rat Yeah. Right. Spot. So, but that happens as that child grows up and someone puts their hands on them and they're like, well, they're not giving me bruises. They're not sending me to the hospital. It's not abuse. They're just showing me love and they just got frustrated. We are so actually programmed at a young age to make excuses right. for people being abusive to us. Um, so I feel like when you have a friend or someone in that situation, for me, it's just like, Letting them know I'm a space to come to and to talk to, and then for me, acknowledging that they are probably so broken down that on some level they feel that they deserve it because that's mm-hmm. usually the only time you're gonna let someone keep putting your hands on you. Yeah, you know, even if it's like not something extreme, there is some level that feels like whether it's oh I made them angry or I didn't do what they were supposed to. There's some there's some level where they feel like they deserve it. So I feel like the best thing to do is a be a sounding board for them, like right. let them come to you and let them talk to you because. Even that, if just someone opening up about abuse is huge because most of the time people feel such shame about it that they don't want to open up. So them opening up is huge. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, telling them these things that they are worth it and they are great. And that all that stuff is all wonderful to hear. It really is. But as someone who has had to work to get through self-love, I mean, this is audio, so you can't hear, but I'm quite plus size. Um, and so I really, and then even like I said, growing up being the only Black face around you know other white people like I spent my majority of my life just thinking I was ugly and thinking that I was like you know not worthy of all this stuff and I really had to work to get to a place of like self-love like you can't tell me shit about myself now right
0: <laughs> that's why one of the reasons I love you so much because your confidence you guys she has her you radiate like oh thank you magnetic, you radiate <laughs> but loving yourself is so it
1: weird. hard Was work, and that's why I started the self love Sundays because people would be like, "You have so much confidence. You're so this." I'm like, "I did not wake up like this." Like, yes, this is not a Beyonce moment. I had to like break it apart step by step. Like first, I had to get over my people pleasing. Then I had to get over like thinking that I was, you know, worthy of stuff. Then I had to get to the point where I realized other people's own opinions don't matter, and it really takes so much work. And that's just like me living an average life. So imagine trying to get that, like the average person trying to get that level of confidence is gonna be a lot of work. But now imagine having someone on the other side constantly trying to pull you down every time you try to sell, you know? So you're with them and you're telling them, oh, you don't deserve that. You are wonderful. You're magnificent. Well, they haven't done the self-work yet to really feel that way. And then they're going home and having someone tell them the exact opposite. Right. So yeah, it's frustrating that they're not listening to you, but of course they're not. Like right, hard. And you, I think we just have to remember- that it's hard to really have compassion for people who are going through that, and not let it frustrate us. And I know a lot of times people are like, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want to enable," but you're not enabling a victim. You know, like yeah. you are truly being a lifeline for them. Um, the, the lines are a little different when there's kids involved, and if they're being abused and all that. Like right. sometimes you have to really go into some tough love, but um, for the most yeah. part, just being there for them and letting them know that like you're a safe space to talk about what they're going through and you're not judging them and that you're not putting the blame on them for someone else putting their hands on them
0: because it's and it's everything you've said is like so incredibly true and like very personal to me you know in my experiences and I think it's also you know as somebody who is standing on the sidelines watching it go down with somebody that you love and care about you on top of feeling healthy, you know, you make the recommendations like, well, you should like go to therapy. And like I've even talked with my own therapist because like I'm somebody who believes that everybody should have a fucking therapist. Everybody should have a therapist. Like everybody. Like nobody out here is therapists living therapists should
1: have therapist. Everyone should Everyone. talk to someone who's not actively involved with
0: their life about their life. At least once a month. Like you don't have to go every week, like you don't oh, have to yeah. go just like at least once a month, check in with this person and like talk your shit and leave. Because I know yeah. every time after I'm done with therapy, I'm like, <sighs> like okay, moving on. Well,
1: like I mean, it's not just that, but it's also like for me, I'm always encouraging a therapy because A, um, while venting to your friends is, is great, right. um, A, your friends don't always have, like they're dealing with their own shit. There's that. They right. don't always have the bandwidth to take on yours. Right. And then B, therapists, have tools so while like you can vent to me and I can be like oh yeah that stinks that you're going through that oh yeah that sucks like a therapist will actually tell you how to like stop and redirect your thinking and blah 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 and part of my self-love journey has been using tools that my therapist has given me to change my way of thinking to give myself grace and compassion I think therapists are great for that and it's also great to talk to someone who is separated from a situation Mm -hmm. so like if you're going through something because a lot of times even without meaning to, like, if I, if you're a friend, and I'm telling you about this situation, I still want your respect. I still want you to like me. And so while I'm telling you what happened, human beings are naturally going to taint it a little bit to make themselves look Look, okay in the situation. Yes. Versus when you tell a therapist, A, even if you're trying to taint it, they'll ask you the questions to get the raw truth out of you. They smell through it. Yeah, which will then allow you to really think and evaluate the situation as a whole not just from your perspective.
0: Right. And I think that's like also something that people who are stuck in the cycle of abuse get confused by because likely in their, you know, abusive environment, they're being gaslit. Yes. Their thoughts, you know, feelings, emotions. And then when they take those same thoughts and feelings and emotions and go to a, you know, psychologist or a count, you know, mental health counselor, like whatever, um, and they get like a differing point of view i think it just can it causes so much more confusion because there's already so much confusion that goes on when you're mm-hmm. in that type of a relationship or you know dynamic because of like gaslighting is such a mind fuck like i've been oh, in a relationship yeah. where i was being gaslit and like i you know pride myself on being a pretty intelligent person most of the time but it got to the point where like i didn't even know how to separate the bullshit from the real shit yeah and, like when you go to therapy and you tell a therapist and they're like okay so that's a problem and you're like but yeah. how? you have a lie it, right you're like but that's not that bad because you've rationalized that you've become groomed mm-hmm. into thinking that like this is some this is normal shit like oh yeah. everybody you know because like abusers, one of the things you said you know you mentioned isolation like that's like step number one to being you know a classic abusive mm-hmm. person is like you isolate your victim number two you gaslight them and then number three it's almost like like you were saying before you kind of make them feel like they were responsible for your actions yeah so yeah. it's you know the mind fuck of it all is you know what really breaks my heart and then I was reading, you know, a little bit about domestic violence and statistics and stuff and statistics are what scares me the most because mm-hmm. it said on average, it takes a woman seven times leaving or attempting to leave their abuser before they actually leave. Because, you know, you see all the time, you know, in movies, TV, you know, tabloids, real life, like people that you and I know, or, you know, other, whatever the case, they're like, oh my God, fuck that person. I'm done with them. Because it doesn't always have to be a man abusing a woman. It could be, you know, same sex couples, a woman abusing a man, like it goes both ways. But, you know, you hear it all the time. Like I'm done with that person, you know, fuck them. And then a month later you hear like, oh my God, we're back together and things are mm-hmm. perfect. And I've never been happier. And then like in your head, you're like, fuck, like yeah, th- it happened again. And you feel yeah. you're back in that like helpless yes. spot of like, okay, like a week ago we were good. <laughs> like we yeah. were really like making progress. That's and now- whatever happened behind the scenes and you don't want to shame them again because you don't want them to further, you know, delve into a space of isolation because Mm -hmm. that's what the abuser wants. Yeah. So you walk this fine line as, you know, somebody on the sidelines watching and more or less waiting for things to implode And those, it was saying, even those that do make the changes Mm -hmm. often are not able to continue, you know, it's like a very temporary short-lived thing. So it's like.
1: And well, part of that is like the breakdown that's happened before then to get them there. And then usually abusers have this cycle of like, I abused you. Then I said, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. And then there's so like they will love bomb the shit out of you, oh my God, so taking them back and thinking that life is perfect, then you let your guard down, and now they've hit you again, and then so now you're in this situation where you thought things were going too good, and they're not, and that's why I say like it's important as a friend to like let the person know they can come back to you because you know you're i mean in a non-abusive way, most people feel embarrassed coming back when they've broken up with a partner and they've gotten back together. Cause they know they already talked all that shit with their friends and now their, their friends are going to like, look at them. Like, why are you taking this person back? But you know, with abuse, they really have been broken down. Um, And the cycle is, is hard for them to break. And that's why that compassion is so important and so necessary. Um, You know, it's like you said, it's that fine line because you want to have the compassion, but you also don't want to enable um, but you know it's the same as like with with addiction, you know, yeah, on one level, it's like, oh, well, you're using again, you made that choice, but the other level, like it's an addiction, like, it's bigger it's, like than that. they can't really help it, and you know a lot of times with relationships and abusive relationships it's it's like that as well, and many times, totally. um the abuser or the person being abused has come from abusive relationships Mm -hmm. so like d'angela and i'm sorry to keep mentioning her, she's just no, she's amazing thank
0: you for turning me on on.
1: yeah she is amazing but like she you know she even talked about like her um her the father of her children was had gone from just abusing her to abusing their child so he was like choking three-year-old as a way of controlling her um and it wasn't until like he literally almost killed her and the cops were called that she finally broke free and you know unfortunately sometimes it takes that that was actually one of the moments that got me crying because um that was actually the break in the breakthrough moment sort of in my life was um it was like right before Christmas and my mom and stepdad had got into a particularly horrible fight I thought he was gonna kill her so I like grabbed my siblings and were like running in the snow to the neighbors to call the cops and that whole debacle, but ended up being, like, it was awful. Obviously, I'm still kind of traumatized by it. Proud of myself for not crying now. Um, but, like, that whole debacle, though, opened up the situation to other people because my mom was staunchly, like, I don't talk about what's going on at home. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people have that, but especially, like, um, a lot of foreign culture. So being, like, Liberian and African, like, you don't talk about right. what happens the home. Um, and abuse is so prevalent. And then he would say things like, if you try to leave me, I'm going to take the kids and she believed him. So it wasn't until, you know, because I called the cops and then church members got involved and they're like, no, you know, he can't just take the kids and you do have some control. So from there they were able to like help her and she broke free, but not everybody has that support system and not everyone feels like they can because it's, you know, on top of the emotional abuse and the separation, they will very often financially abuse you as well as a way of controlling you. So they've taken your money, you're handing over your paychecks to them. Um, I, not that I related, but I got it. Like when Erica in the reunion was saying like, I handed my paychecks over, like she was, and I know everyone's mad at her because of the money, but it's very obvious she was being abused on some levels in that relationship. No, he wasn't beating her, but he was but, impacting her emotionally. He mm-hmm. was controlling her financially, um, and that it, that impacts you as well. Like, how are you going to break free if you don't have any money? Right.
0: So, it's and I'm glad that you said that also because when you do leave, generally, from what I've read and also you know what I've experienced as someone on the sidelines is the person, like you said, like is love bombing and like coming in hard and fast. So like swoop, you know, swoop you back up off your feet and like blind you with bullshit. And that's, I think again, where like their brain kind of goes back and forth between like, okay, I know what just happened, but like, look what's happening now. And like, they can change, but like, can they change? And, you know, they go through this cycle, I think of just such confusion that it makes it hard for them to turn it away because when when you want to see the good, you're going to see the good. Yes, when you want to see what's real, then you'll see what's real. Yeah. But like like we were saying at the beginning, you know, you have to love yourself first in order to see like how people are treating you because you know, you spoke about like your journey on like self-love and everything. It's it's hard like I had the same, like, that shit is hard. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, plus size, skinny, like pretty by society standards, unattractive by society standards. Like, if you don't, like, however you look at yourself is how you're, you know, that's how you're going to look at yourself. And when you don't love yourself, you're going to allow some really wild shit to go on that you might not normally allow. If you were in a place where you were like, you know what, like, this is what I'm worthy of. This is what I deserve. And that's, I think, where, you know, people stuck in this cycle tend to get so confused and almost just feel, like, defeated. Like, there's no way for me to get out because I can't love myself because I let this happen to me and I keep letting it happen to me. So, obviously, I'm not worthy of anything above and beyond what I'm doing. And, like, like you were also saying, like, oh, well, is it that bad? Like, you know questioning your own reality and questioning like what's that what is so but ba- you know like what's so bad about this like it's only like every now and then it's not like every way really learning about how to find your inner voice and create boundaries you know in your romantic relationships in your friendships you know because I think you know and I'm not like a mental health professional but I think a lot of the time what happens is those people are just not very good at establishing like any type of boundaries be it romantic be it friendship you know whatever the case is so I think that that's like paramount in people understanding where these people come from is that they don't have they don't possess either the you know cognitive ability to differentiate like what what's a healthy boundary what's a you know unnecessary boundary or like just boundaries, boundaries are
1: hard boundaries like it's still something like I said my journey of self-love is very much a journey a constant journey and sometimes it's step back and a step forward and boundaries has been one of my main focuses this year because it's it's hard because it's interesting um because I do think it's hard on our aspects like for us mm-hmm. setting those boundaries and how they make us feel but for me it's even harder because Of all the times I felt bad, and because of all the things that I've been through, that I so much don't ever want to be the cause of that for other people. Right. So then it makes it harder for me to say no to someone because I know how it feels when people say no to me, or it's hard for me to feel like I'm letting someone down, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it's just a matter of putting myself first. Because it took me a long time, and I still am working on it, to understand that self prioritizing isn't being selfish. But for the most part in my mind, and we we do this a lot, right? Like we think like when someone puts themselves first that they're being selfish. Like, right. why aren't you putting other people's needs ahead of yours? And you really have to get to the point where you're like, well, why do their needs matter more than my needs? Like, right. even if it's like they're having an event and I'm tired and I want to stay home, why does me showing up for their, th- like, why does me being there for them matter more than the rest that I feel like I need? Right. Um, and it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's still my struggle. I still work. I still work on it. I still work on self-prioritizing. Um, but I am at the point now where it, it feels less and less hard. I was telling someone the other day that like, okay, I feel like I've worked to the point where I can say no better. Cause that was real hard for me for the longest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of full circle with the whole domestic violence thing part of that was because of the violence that I grew up around like while on one hand I'm so proud of my mom for always like standing up for herself and speaking up for herself there was a part of me as a child that I guess, took in those moments as like, if she would just be good, if she would just not make him angry, he wouldn't be upset. He wouldn't hit her. Everything would be okay. Right. And even though like, obviously I know that's not okay. The case and abuser an abuser is yeah. abuser. But the way my child mind calculated it, it was like, okay, just don't ever make anyone upset and everything will be fine. Yeah. So there was born the inner people pleaser that I really right. had to so watch because I would feel so bad anytime I said no, I would get physically ill if I thought someone was going to be mad at me. Like I, the anxiety of it, the anxiety of it. So like, I feel like now I've gotten better. Now I'm kind of at a space where like, okay, I'm okay saying no, but I'm still like explaining. I was like, my next goal is to be comfortable just saying no, thank you. Like, I don't want to have to explain myself all the time. Like I can just say no and that's okay. But I do think that a lot of times people who have issues with boundaries it's not even so much like that we don't want to set them it's that we don't want to hurt other people because we are overly compassionate because we know what we've been through and we know how it feels and we don't want to inflict that on other people
0: exactly i i always refer back to um one time i received like the best advice from it was from a nurse actually she had told me you know when you're on an airplane and they're going over the you know emergency landing procedures and they say put your face mask on before assisting others. She was like, think about it. If you can't, if you don't help yourself first, what good are you to other people? Because you can't help everybody else before Mm -hmm. you help yourself and expect there to be anything other than a disaster of an outcome. Because like you're not even going to make it to help yourself if you're spreading yourself thin among other people or, you know, in the situation that we're discussing, like domestic violence, it's, you know, a lot of times the victim who's trying to, you know, maintain their abuser's happiness to A, keep themselves safe and project, I think a lot of times victims of domestic violence try and project this portrait of perfection you know like yeah I, look I've got like this family and or you know like whatever mm-hmm. the case is or like yeah. a boyfriend or a and girlfriend. actually and actually that
1: is um something I was gonna mention that it's really huge because I and I know it, it's so uncomfortable to do um because I, I recently did it to my sister but like even people in great relationships sometimes I'll be like, hey, I'm not trying to say that I think anything's going on. Um, you know, but you know, I, I see you guys, you look happy, you look great and that's wonderful, but I just want you to know if there is, or if there ever was, I am a safe space to talk to because it really is. Like I was saying, a lot of times abusers don't look like abusers on the outside and then the part, their partners don't want people to know they're being abused. So they're covering it up. So even if you're in a great relationship, if you're my friend, I'm going to be, I'm going to have that, like, just so you know, if
0: something or if something's going
1: on like you can come and talk to me just because you never you never know because isn't that what always happens like when there's this situation and it comes to light they're like oh I had no idea or this was going on um and it's because they do cover it up and they do such a good job covering up so you know I'm like don't be offended but in the off chance you can talk to me
0: exactly and I think some people really do get like how dare you I'm like listen I'm just just looking out for you and I well, and it's a lot of times, you know, the people who are like, "How dare you?" Who actually need to hear it the most? Because when you're defensive about somebody just being, you know, like offering themselves to you, yeah. like, "Hey, look," it's like, usually for like my sister laughed in my face, so I'm like, "Okay, you're good. <laughs> good. I'm right. glad
1: you're good." I was hoping that would be the right, right. <laughs> thing to <worry> about
0: it. <laughs> but the people who are like, "Why would you say that?" Like, what makes you think that I need your help? Like, it's
1: It's almost like, oh no, did I let my guard slip? Is that why you're saying that? Did you see something I didn't mean for
0: you to see? Right. Yeah. It's all very calculated to try and like protect the abuser when really you're like girl protect or boy, you know, not to just, I use girl as an adjective for a lot of things just because that's me awesome. too like everybody's everybody. girl yeah I, everybody.
1: I, I was talking to um I have a, a friend she's my spiritual advisor but she's like a reverend I was talking to her I was like girl I was like oh I'm sorry I did it. I'm sorry hey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're like, sorry ma'am ma'am yeah <laughs> You're like let me dial it back but yeah. you know um in the event anybody listening is stuck in and abusive situation, be it physical, emotional, or you know somebody who is, I encourage you to A, start following Namade. Um, She's at That African Butterfly on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. I know that you said, like, TikTok is still, I'm still, like, I'm on the edge. I, th- I might do one tonight during the reunion, actually. Well, I make, like, I make reels, and I post them. Like, sometimes I'll, and sometimes I'll make
1: them in TikTok because it's easier to use. It's just, I, I don't know, I feel like, like, I have all these followers and TikToks will share them. With like two, two people see my videos. I'm like, oh, there's a waves.
0: Yeah, so I I think that's another reason I'm intimidated. But make sure you're definitely following at that African butterfly. And she's got a slew of other people that I highly recommend that you follow that I actually just got turned on to this week. Thanks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so informative, all the content you've been posting this week. And you're such a ray of sunshine on mm-hmm. yeah. social media and like a much needed just voice for every you know for entertainment wise you know mental health wise I try to keep it like light in between like sometimes I feel like I get real heavy so I'm like here's a funny one
1: or like I'll just do my makeup and do songs because I love me it when you sing
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love lip singing like I love it's so good too like honestly yeah. you're so good at it but for everybody else also just Just in case, there is a hotline um, for domestic violence. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. So it's like 1-800-799-7233. It's, you know, the hotline.org is the website. They have a bunch of resources. And, you know, spread the word. Like, let people know that if they're stuck in a, you know, if you know somebody who's stuck in a situation, like, do what you can to help them. Like, it's important because oftentimes the victim is in a place where they can't even help themselves or see a way out. And like you said, compassion is key. Like try to keep your like very harsh judgments to yourself as often as mm-hmm. possible while also keeping it real, but also being yeah. compassionate. It's, it's, a fine yeah, line. It's, it's a tango. It's a tango you got to do. But it really is. It, it's, it's a two step. Have someone feel like they can
1: come to you and, and seek you for help.
0: For sure. Well, thank you so much again for coming and talking today Namade, and sharing all your wisdom and your knowledge. And I'm definitely having you back on again for like a little Bravo Kiki, because (laughs) you're the best at that. So thank you again. And I look forward to talking to you soon, honey. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks guys. Bye.